welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, I'm joined by my brother and co-designer, Adam Staley, and Joe Slack of the Board Game Design Course to recap and discuss Protospiel North from this past weekend. Joe, how you doing, man? Welcome to the bench. Good, James. How you doing? It's it's been a long time. It's been a whole day since I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a day. And uh, Adam, welcome. It only took a year and a half to get you on the podcast, but I finally got I'm you on here, which is kind of cool. So. <laughs> finally, finally came out of the shadows. Thanks for having me out here today. Oh, it's awesome to have you, buddy. So I thought uh, that we're doing things a little bit different this episode. Typically, we're you know interviewing a guest and uh, you know talking about what they're working on and uh, you know where their, their backstory is. Joe is obviously a regular guest on the podcast. And uh, so, but we were all part of this awesome event this past weekend. And I thought, wow, why don't we do a recap on that? Uh, let our listeners hear a little bit about what Protospiel North is actually all about, uh, Protospiels in general, and then kind of get into kind of some of our learnings and the highlights actually from the show. I thought that'd be kind of cool. So um, maybe Joe, could you start off by just telling the people that are watching and listening what is a Protospiel? What does that mean? So a Protospiel is a board game design event. So you know, us game designers, we have to get together, play test each other's games, uh, make changes, make them better so we can make awesome games can be published for people to enjoy. So protospiels are one of the greatest events to do that at because quite often, you know, we'll go to a game design event at a board game cafe or a store and, you know, you'll have a few hours. You might get a chance to get your game out once kind of thing. But protospiels are like a very concentrated event usually two or three days over a weekend where you can just go and just play games all day long so if you have a bunch of games you're working on or you have one you just want to test with a bunch of different groups it's a great opportunity to really advance your game really quickly in a short amount of time that's a good uh good good thought because i'm thinking about like some of the uh game nights i've gone to you know whether it been in snakes and lattes downtown toronto where we first met quite mm -hmm. frankly um or some of these other um you know prototyping nights you really do only have a very short window uh, to, to talk to people. Where I found at this event, my biggest regret was, quite frankly, we only got to go on the Sunday. And I think uh, in the coming years, I'll probably go for more days. But, you know, it's it's amazing how many games you can get through and get introduced to when you're there for like eight hours, mm -hmm. right? And uh, for someone like yourself, those are all three days. Uh, that's even more uh, playing and playtime and so forth. And I think what's really cool is actually being able to have other designers come and play your game as well. Cause I saw a lot of that cross pollinating uh, from table to table where, you know, people from one table would say, ah, you know, come try my game and I'll come try your game next and give themselves each other advice really from a game design standpoint and from a level of experience that you wouldn't probably have on a typical kind of prototype night. Is that, is that fair? Or? Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of the cafes that we go to, we do get a, a pretty good turnout of designers as well. So, uh, but it's just kind of a larger pool of them, you know, instead of having, you know, 10 or yeah. 10 or 12 people, you might have, you know, 40 or 50 or, you know, some of the bigger events might have even more. Um, we actually did have quite a few uh, play testers as well. We were surprised at the number of people who just came in who just wanted to play test as well. Uh, some people that I knew from the community that I've seen at other events like ProtoTO and Breakout Con and that type of thing. So it's great to see them. But yeah, it's, it's always great to have uh, good feedback from other people who really know games, who played a lot of games and design their own games and to play theirs and you know, really learn about some interesting mechanics, maybe take some things back, some lessons learned for some of your own games as well. So for for this particular protospiel, I say sp uh, spiel, I think you say spiel as well. 
they got him. You say spiel just to be it's difficult. All good. Whatever. It's <laughs> but whatever the, the pronunciation is, let's say pro spiel for the pro spiel North. So this Tron, how, how many years has this been in play? Uh, well, this is the second event, but you know, there, there was something that happened in the last mm. couple of years that kind of, you know, I don't know, people didn't go out for some reason. So, you know, uh, between 2019 and now we haven't been able to hold an event. Uh, we held our first one, uh, May, 2019, and we were planning on holding the second one, May, 2020. And then the world collapsed and, you know, we couldn't do it. We thought maybe in the fall. And then like, you know, we realized this is, you know, much bigger thing going on here. Couldn't hold it early in the year in 2021 until kind of the restrictions relax a little bit. And luckily we were able to do it in November. So uh, this was only the second time we've been able to hold it. Um, Yeah. Everybody, you know, there were a lot of people that returned from 2019 and then some new people. Um, So we're hoping to be able to get it back on kind of a regular schedule, hopefully next year. We don't know if it's going to go back to kind of that May schedule or stick to November or what it is. We have to kind of talk and, and kind of figure out when's a good time because we also don't want to conflict with other conventions, other protospiels that are happening, that kind of thing. So it's, it's a lot of like coordinating and calendars and when are the organizers available? When are people going to want to come out and when are some available times happening? So I've seen protospiels in, in other uh, countries and cities and so forth. So is this part of one larger organization or how does that uh, like how, how's it all connected? Yeah, I think the first one started, um, if we go way back to the year 2000, I believe somewhere around there. Um, I think the first one in, uh, Michigan, Chelsea, Michigan, I believe was the first one that started and it kind of mm. grew from there. And I think it just naturally people were like, why don't we do one in our own area? So we don't have to travel all this far. Right. So now there's ones in like Chicago and Madison and, um, they, they had one um, in Atlanta. That's kind of changed and morphed a little bit. I think there's one on the West Coast. And so it's not necessarily just like one organization and, you know, you have to follow these rules, but it's just kind of other ones have kind of organically come out of that with the same kind of feeling. We want to have, have people have the same experience, uh, you know, be a welcoming environment for anybody who wants to come in and who's a game designer or a play tester. Um, you know, everybody's welcome. Um, you know, it's all about giving back and, you know, no, don't just sit there and, you know, make sure people just come to your table, but, you know, give back, um, trade time, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, so it's just kind of grown out of there, uh, from one event to the next, to the next. And the funny thing is, uh, I think it was 2018, uh, there were a bunch of us from Toronto that went down to the one in Chelsea, Michigan, cause it's, it's probably the closest one for driving. And it was funny. We yeah. were all walking across from the hotel to the like the community center that's right across the parking lot from it, and we all were just like walking around the same time. We just happened to like go there, and there was like five or six of us. I think we're like, we're all from Toronto. We're all here in <laughs> Michigan. We should do this like closer to home. Like we have a pretty big game design community. I know there's yeah. other events going on and that kind of thing, but why can't we hold one of these? Like. Not to say we won't still go to the one in Michigan because it's awesome and we have a lot of fun there. Yeah. Uh, but we could also do one closer to home. So we kind of said, "What? What about that?" And then the next year we kind of planned for it. And 2019, we we held our first one and it it went really well and and people were really happy with it. So who are all the players then who brought this together? Obviously you're involved, but can you can you tell us basically who the team is behind uh, behind Protospiel? Sure. Yeah. So is is a, a big team of of people that made it all happen. So our lead organizer is Kevin Carmichael. And uh, he, yeah, he put it all together. It was kind of, he took the initiative to say, okay, let's, let's get this all organized. Let's find a location um, and get it all booked and that kind of thing when we first started out. And so he's, he's done a great job of kind of keeping everything organized and bringing us all in. Um, and I've helped kind of be 
um, a helper in the organization, along with um, Sylvain Plant, who I often co-design with, and um, Jeff Frazier, who's another game designer and uh, rulebook editor. He's you know uh, getting well known in the, in the industry for that. Um, his wife Stephanie as well um, helped out quite a bit, kind of behind the scenes, and was there at the event as well. And um, and uh, Kevin's uh, fiance Alicia Tulk as well. She uh, helped out behind the scenes. She wasn't able to be there in person because she had other commitments. But uh, you know everybody kind of contributed and helped to make sure it would you know go fairly seamlessly, and we had everything that we needed. And then you had some sponsors as well yes. for this show, right? Yeah. I, was I had a massive goodie bag <laughs> that I walked away from where like, I probably could have taken more. Uh, I felt guilty taking what I did, but people were like, keep taking guys. Like we don't want to cart this away afterwards. Yeah. Um, it was very, very generous. All these prototyping pieces and components and so forth from this massive table full. So talk to us, who are all the, uh, the sponsors? Of sure. This? Yeah. We had some fantastic sponsors. Um, Game Crafter is one that's, uh, you know, they always come through the proto spiels and uh, JT Smith actually runs one of the pro proto spiels uh, down in the U S so he just kind of pulls up his van. And he's just like, here's a whole bunch of stuff. So um, when we re reached out to him said, you know, would you like to sponsor ours? He's like, yeah, absolutely. So he was on for 2019. And then again, this one. Um, so they provide awesome. all sorts of, um, cards that you can write on all sorts of different shapes, you know, everything from hexagons to rectangles, to squares, to circles, um, all sorts of different bits. So you got like dice and pawns tokens and money and all sorts of things. Um, print and play also came through with a, with a nice size box. They had these little packages that had, you know, their different sizing and, and, um, uh, thickness and that kind of thing for their cards. So, you know, kind of what, what cards to kind of order, what kind of thickness you want, that kind of thing. And they had, they had a whole bunch of other components too. Same thing with like cards and, and bits and bobs and that kind of thing. Um, and then we also had um, Geeky Goodies. Uh, Chris Cormier's group uh, donated a couple of shirts. Uh, he has fantastic shirts. I own a bunch of them as well. So he donated a couple of shirts for that. Um, board Game Design Course, I was there donating some eBooks for my first book as well. I'd also like to say a big shout out to Jay Cormier uh, with the Fail Faster Journal. We gave out um, five of these uh, he provided uh, these awesome sheets from the Fail Faster Journal where people could write down um, answers to questions and and scores and things like that. And uh, yeah, he was he was very generous giving out five uh, Fail Faster Journals that we gave out uh, as well and draws as well. Oh, that's cool. And it seems like something would be pretty handy for people who are doing uh, doing development and design, right? So. Yeah, they're great. Uh, Spin Master, I think I saw on that list as well. Spin Master, right? Yeah, Spin Master was there as well. And, and Erica was there from Spin Master. She was kind of checking out some games as well and kind of goes towards who else, who's also going to be there. You never know who's going to show up because we had some pretty awesome guests that actually showed up over the weekend as well. But I got to say our sponsors were fantastic. And we didn't just have one table of stuff. We literally had three tables of stuff uh, yeah. because we had everything from the great Game Crafters box from 2019 that was left over plus their new stuff. And they, it was a 27 pound box they sent. So it, there was a lot of stuff in there. And then print and play had another big box and then all the other stuff going on. So there was just so much stuff. And some of the other designers even brought like Tim Brown, who's a designer. He brought this big bin of all these pawns and dice. And he's just like, anybody who wants to just take them. I, I want to take home an empty container. We were very much the same. Like, please take everything. Cause otherwise like we have to take these home and bring them back to the next event. So if you can make use of them, please do. And people were really awesome about taking this stuff and hopefully we'll see some awesome games. Yeah, and there were some big names of designers that showed up at this show as well, right? Like this isn't just for first timers, and I mean it's great for first timers as well. But can you talk to some of the people that were at this actual event? 
Yeah, I mean, the great thing was there was such a mix, like indie indie designers, like we try to make it feel welcome for whoever, like it doesn't yeah. matter if you know a really well-known name or, you know, this is your first time going to an event. We try to make it very welcoming. So there's a lot of, you know, first timers or people that have been to a few events uh, that are kind of local, but we also had, you know, Daryl Andrews who, you know, has designed Sagrada and Bosque and a whole bunch of other games. Like he's, you know, he's friends with, with some of us there, including myself. And uh, yeah, he came out to the event and was helping, you know, promote it as well. And uh and Erica Biaris, who's uh, from Spin Master Games, mm. he was there. She was there, and you know, she was you know doing a little scouting and you know seeing seeing what was there and everything, and just having some fun. And um, uh, we also had uh, Richard McRae from Analog Game Studios, uh, independent local uh, publisher there. Uh, but the big name we were not expecting at all uh, was Eric Lang. Eric <laughs> Lang just showed up. We, we, you know, um, my friend Sylvain, who was who was helping to organize it, got a text from Daryl Andrews at uh, the morning of Saturday. He's like, uh, do you mind if I bring someone? Sure. Yeah, no problem. Oh, it's Eric Lang. Yes, of course. Of course you can bring him. So uh, Eric Lang showed up and he came Saturday for a good chunk and uh, was back on Sunday for a little bit as well. And yeah, it's fantastic to see, see him. And the great thing is like, he just like comes in and just like everybody else, he just makes everybody feel welcome. Like, you know, he doesn't have like a big ego or anything. He's just coming. I'm just come to play games and stuff like that and give advice yeah. and help people out. And it's just a fantastic environment for that. That's awesome. Seeing people give back like that. Um, so I'm going to share for people that are watching. I know you can't see Joe, so I'll try to kind of guide you through what we're seeing. Um, sure. So the first picture from the show, this is uh, from Sunday. I think Sunday was actually one of the least busy days, but this gives people an idea of you've got a room with different tables set up with the games on them with the different designers. Um, the uh, one of the games that was near the front, I think you've actually been part of the, uh, the, the hand in designing this one was this game of uh, butterflies these monarch butterflies um that are basically flying from canada all the way down their path down to to mexico right and yeah. from a from a visual perspective doctor um his last i know sylvan is the first name i don't know the doctor's last name uh blonde <laughs> there the, your colleague but i mean you can tell the amount of care that he put into creating really like a visual showpiece. And this was an example to me, I think, and although I didn't get to play it and I wanted to play it, but we ran out of time, was an example of if you want people to play test your game, this is a great way to get people to want to play test your game, right? Create something that is visually stunning. Uh, that's mm -hmm. a showpiece on the table where people are like, whoa, my God, what is that? You know, it at least gets them to start the conversation, which I thought was was pretty cool. What would you think, Adam? I thought this one year was, like you just said, visually it's stunning. The different size, is, what caught me was actually the different size um, butterflies. Um, the detail in all the butterfly work. Um, also the player mats and the precision of the way he cut out all the pieces. Um, it was it visually it looked great. I was hoping to get a chance to play it as well. We just ran out of time. Um, so hopefully we get a chance to play this one uh, soon, for sure. Yeah, it's cool. How yeah, long has this one been in development? Uh, I mean, you've been uh, part of this team, right? Pro probably, I'd say maybe a couple of years now. Uh, we've been working on this. It's gone through quite a, quite a few changes, but yeah, yeah. I mean, so not not every prototype is going to look like this. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky. I work with somebody who loves the crafting aspect of it. He, he'll, you know, some some days, you know, he'll be like, oh, I, you know, he'll send me a picture of something he's working. On. I'm like, oh, how long have you been working on that for? That looks like amazing. And it's like, oh, I started it today. And it's like, it looks like a published game. Like this, this practically looks like something you could see, you know, on the shelf. Um, but yeah, he really loves bringing out like the table presence. And, and you're absolutely right. Like this is, this is going to draw people in. Not everybody has the skills. And sometimes you need to, you know, work and collaborate with somebody else 
um, who has the skills to do this, but quite often you can just through experience and just, you know, going through Google images and that type of thing, you can kind of put things together just to make it, you know, look like a, you know, a really, you know, nice experience yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, table presence there. Is there ever a concern that um, when you have something that is so well uh, polished like this in terms of the presentation that the actual production version may not actually look as good as the prototype when this finally goes to production? Yeah, I mean, you, you'd hope that it's going to look, you know, as good. Most publishers, um, you know, with working with really good artists and graphic designers would make it even better. Uh, they, they would, you know, pick up different things, but they'll make changes, um, mm -hmm. you know, based on, you know, what price point they want to set for it, what components they're going to use and that type of thing, you know. Quite often, you know, especially when I'm working with Sylvain, um, you know, he'll introduce a lot of really, really cool things. And I'm just like, th there's just no way the, the publisher is going to be able to produce that. It's going to be just like so costly or so yeah, unwieldy yeah. Or, or whatnot. So sometimes we have to say, okay, they're probably going to scale things back or make their own decisions. But uh, yeah, it is helpful definitely for for bringing others in. You're talking about Daryl Andrews uh, earlier on. I skipped ahead a couple of pictures here where he's giving us the thumbs up and I'll go back to his actual game. Uh, with a secret society, I guess is the current working title uh, through Goliath Games. Um, this was a cool one as well, and we got a chance to chat with Daryl when we first got there, as everybody was setting up. And what I, what I found very interesting about this one is you've got this kind of this secret society. Um, I think you're trying to like investigate different conspiracy theories and so forth in this game, and visually you get that looking at the board. Right. And he was talking about like, even making like the Illuminati eye on the other side of some of these triangles and stuff. And definitely. Yeah. The visually you get what he was going with for sure with the game. Um, I didn't uh, get a chance to talk to him in depth about this one, but uh, yeah, from what you were mentioning before it did, it sounds like it would play really, really well. Yeah. It seemed pretty cool. Did you get a chance to look at this one at all, Joe or? No, I didn't get a chance to play that one. I did see it out on the table. Um, and as that's actually part of uh, Sylvan's handiwork once again. <laughs> if I recognize he uh, he helped Daryl uh, put together the board. He asked he asked for Sylvan's help uh, whipping that up because they they often work together as well. Oh, the, yeah, it looked. I mean, it looked great the way it was kind of um, these triangles kind of modularly put together. But for me, I just liked the. Uh, it had a very kind of secret society Illuminati kind of vibe to it, which was uh, I thought really cool. Yeah, it sounded cool. Uh, I'm going to skip forward to, I don't know what this game was called. Um, uh, this is a after the Daryl image and the ones I sent you there, uh, Joe. Um, but I think it's like, a, it seems like it's in the Middle East somewhere. It's like a Middle Eastern war yep. type game. Did, did you know much about this game? Yeah, I actually played this. I actually played this previously on Tabletop Simulator and then got to play this um, live with, uh, with the designer, Hafiz Printer. Um, this one's Baghdad yeah. 1055. And it's it's basically takes place in the year 1055. Um, there's four different factions, and you're trying to control. It's it's kind of like area control, dudes on a map kind of a game, uh, where you're trying to control. So on your turn, uh, the rules are fairly straightforward. You're just either expanding your empire to different regions, uh, building uh, more buildings, or attacking others. And it takes place over the course of eight rounds, which is supposed to be uh, about five years roughly, mm -hmm. um, and. Yeah, it's, it's just basically whoever has the most control at the end of the game uh, wins. And everybody has a little bit of an asymmetrical power as well that they can use. Very cool. What was the playtime on this game? Oh, I think it was maybe an hour, maybe slightly less, somewhere around there. Again, this is another example where um, you've got a game that looks like a retail 
version of the game, right? Like when you walk up, it's like, whoa, you know, you can see a lot of people kind of hovering around this table. And, you know, it's no disservice to ones that aren't as polished, but for me, I think as soon as you can get closer to a polished version with some artwork and so forth, it really does amp up uh, the interest level and people wanting to play the game. And this was for me, one of those ones that was a nice, nice showpiece. It really looked really, really cool. I really liked it a lot. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with just writing things on cards and stuff like that. I played a number of prototypes that were just, you know, handwritten that day. We're going to talk about one in a couple of minutes, which is uh, one of Adam's favorite games. And uh, it was literally a stick men on cards, but it was, it was awesome. Uh, Again, from um, Aziz. So this, uh, the next game that I I got an image of here is domination. And this was a tank uh, battle game. um, And I got a chance to play it. What I really thought was cool about this game is uh, these two designers um, combined dice manipulation with dominoes, which I thought was really cool. So you're the the general gist of it is you're you got a one v one, you're attacking each other's tank. Your tank is made up of uh, tiles like of these uh, dominoes that you draft at the beginning of the game, and you're trying to match up the dice to kind of match the faces on those uh, those dominoes. To, to take off chunks of the ship and make it harder for them to, uh, to fight back. And you've got these different options of having to, um, you know, either you take the hit and, and use that as an opportunity to do a counterattack and try to inflict even more damage on them, and but you're taking damage. Or you can go into defense mode and just try to offset and, and block some of the shots they had. So it was a really cool concept. I know they're still doing a lot of uh, massaging on this game, but for me, I like that that domino combination with the dice I thought was just super cool. I hadn't seen that before. Yeah, it looks pretty neat. I mean, I did see this on the table too, and I didn't get a chance to play. That's the thing about protospiels. Like you see so many cool games, but you, yeah. you're never going to be able to play them all. And you're like, I want to come back to this later, but they might not bring it out or they might not be there the next day. But yeah, it looked cool. Like seeing dominoes used in a different way. Just that's something unique about that. The next game uh, that uh, I have up here, this is one that Adam and I played. It's the first game we played that day. I'll let you talk about this because it it was it was it was fun. It was. Uh, we had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, you're playing, uh, I guess, you're playing as a superhero. Uh, you get to choose your different type that you like to go at. The artwork in this one was phenomenal. Um, I really enjoyed all the artwork, the detail in the game itself. Uh, the gameplay was actually pretty smooth. Where you're attacking, uh, I guess. You have a core in the center where you're taking out all the villains in the middle, and you're trying to score a bunch of victory points after you finish. Uh, defeating one of the villains um and there's multiple layers to it which was really good it was really fun um yeah yeah i really like they had this interesting mechanic where um as you were uh like flipping your card which would say you know signify what kind of attack that the um uh, that the evildoer was doing against you as you're trying to attack with your with your superhero you had these kind of hit points but as you kind of layered your cards in a row that would indicate how many hits you're as soon as you had basically three hits that would form a column. That's when your superhero would basically uh, have to go into like a regeneration mode, which was, it was cool. It it was, it was, it was fun. It had a lot of uh, uh, cool artwork, as you said, like I really liked the design. This uh, designer did all of his own artwork, which was blew blew me away. Cause to me, when he's ready to launch this, this artwork is at least the character artwork could be used as it is right now right yeah i wouldn't change very much on that as all at all yeah it's pretty cool i think it was darren loritzen's game if i'm honest yeah 
Next game I got a picture of is I didn't get a chance to play this one. Uh, we really wanted to play this one, but I know they had to get going. So we didn't get a chance to play it, but it was a betting game where you're on, I think a space station. It was a circle and the outer ring is kind of, uh, kind of rotating. And then you're trying to, um, you are basically in charge of one quadrant of the space station. So your team is trying to basically, um, I guess, service the space station and the guests of the space station better than anybody else. So it's kind of this betting drafting type of game. Did you get a chance to play this one at all, Joe? Or No, I, th- I think I saw it very briefly on the table, but no, I did not get a chance to play that one. It definitely had a cool kind of hook where the outer uh, ring of the space station is currently, you're able to rotate it as a player. So you can rotate it to almost a little bit like uh, Richard McRae's um, uh, Centrix. game. Yeah, it's like Centrix, Centrix. where you're rotating yeah. it. You rotate to your advantage or away from your advantage. And it was, uh, it was kind of interesting. Um, another game, I don't know what the name of this game was. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play. It was like called, I actually think it's called fantasy. Here's a picture of the person. Yeah. Heroes of fantasy. I don't know if you had a chance to play this one. Um, Uh, looks really nice. It looked awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, the one challenge I had, and you know, and Adam was kicking me because I didn't play the, uh, the racing game that you guys played that we're going to get into a minute. And he said that was one of his favorite games of of the show. Um, is when I'm doing the approach, but if I was there for a full weekend, I probably would have gravitated more towards some of these longer play games, but given that we're there just for one day and I knew I had max, probably maybe four or five games I was going to get in. I had to kind of be a little more picky, not because the game didn't look absolutely awesome, which this game did, but more because I'm like, okay, if I end up spending like an hour and a half on this game, then that's maybe two uh, later games. I'm not able to actually play. So, mm-hmm. um, that was the only disappointment for me, but this one looked like super cool. Um, it looks like it's a combination of almost like Dominion matched up with um, like with a board, right? That has different, uh, you know, hexes on this map, which is pretty cool. Um, the other one's Sonoda. Uh, so the uh, BS Games uh, guys are there. We know them from uh, Breakout Con a couple of years ago. They had, I think it's called Wizard Math is one of their games, which... A Mathematician's Duel. A Mathematician's Duel, yeah. Which uh, is... Uh, if you're a teacher, it's a game you want to have in your classroom. It definitely mm-hmm. helps with uh, with math. But the Sonoda, I've, I've seen on Instagram everywhere. Remember, yeah. and I and I've said to, I said to them, I'm like, guys, like this game. I thought this was already published. I'm seeing this everywhere. So <laughs> kudos to them for getting a lot of imagery out there and you know getting people to share images when they play this game. I had a chance um, to be taught this game, and then after they were off playing other games, I kind of snuck Adam over to the table and just kind of basically commandeered their table myself and Adam and I played it and it was cool. What did you think about this one, Adam? Uh, the duo against the two of us. I mean, I, I love going at it with uh, James here. Uh, <laughs> just the fact that uh, it, it ended up actually in a draw at the end of the game, but uh, the mechanics of the way each piece moves and you can level it up to make it move a little bit further. So they're actually dice shaped uh, triangles. As you're rotating them, you can move further and further. I really, really enjoyed uh, the complexity of the game, but it was actually simple at the same time. So it was very easy to pick up and teach. As you said, you learned it and then you taught it to me uh, right afterwards. So Yeah, it's almost very chess-like, but without the learning curve of chess, right? Yeah. And they've got this kind of the flower of life uh, shape that these these triangle, these uh, four-sided dice are, are on. And it was just cool. I, I I know it's abstract and the challenge always with Kickstarter is abstracts, but I can definitely see there being a market for this game somewhere. Like I, 
it, it just looks cool on the table. Yeah. It's the kind of thing you'd have on your coffee table, you know, just as kind of a, almost like, like a, little, a chess set. You just leave yeah, like a chess set, like a showpiece, especially with the metallic dice they had. It, it was, it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, it's a great game. I've played it uh, many times before. And yeah, the, they've added really, really nice looking dice, but it's it's a beautiful abstract game, very easy to learn. And I just love the mechanics of it, how you know you can you can move the dice around and they become more powerful. They can do more movements, but yeah. then if they get captured, it's worth more points for the other person. So there's a lot of like back and forth and strategy. When they go live, I'm going to be back on that one for sure. Um, yeah. The other one, did you get a chance to play the uh, the shipping container game at all? No, I, I don't think I even saw that one. Yeah, it was a bit like, uh, almost a little bit like Ticket to Ride, where you're kind of doing these objectives and you're, um, you've got your shipping container, yet you have also your railroad company, I guess. So you're both trying to get people to buy uh, cargo off your ship and at the and while also trying to uh, build out some of these kind of objectives and stuff. I know that the designers are still uh, doing some more tweaks on this. It looked cool. I mean, on the table, it looked really cool. Um, as a uh, a publisher myself, right away, my mind started going to, okay, how would I produce these ships? He had them actually folded up like all, almost like origami. Um, I could see these being just large meeples, quite frankly. You can make these ships like a like of a two-dimensional piece of wood. Um, but it was uh, it was really cool. It was interesting to uh, – it, it has some very counterintuitive um, play aspects to it, which I kind of found refreshing. Anytime that you can get a – a game in front of you where it's different. I, I get excited by that. I like things that are different than other things I've seen. There's some obviously some familiarities here with the with the shipping containers, but the way that it kind of played it was kind of cool how it uh, combined it with other uh, game aspects. Yeah, that's what you're really looking for in a game is something that has elements that are familiar to you, but then they do something innovative and different. That's yeah. that's what's really going to get. So I'm going to let you guys talk about this game. Uh, Adam oh, couldn't yeah. stop talking about this all the way home. So I'll show it over to you. Yeah, this, um, I'm I'm not too, I don't remember the, the actual name of the game. It's it's, uh, uh, it's Reckless Overdrive. Reckless Overdrive. Yeah, the and this one here, right away, I kind of gravitated to it. And it kind of took me back to when I used to play Mario Kart. So a mm-hmm. lot of people that have that Mario Kart uh, fandom out there that really liked it, that, that game will love this uh, board game for sure. The mechanics are just something I haven't seen before where you have the mechanism of you're controlling on if you want to pick up an item, if you want to dodge. And then at the same time, you're controlling on how fast you want to propel your cart essentially by putting your speed down. But what was really cool about it, it wasn't just about the speed aspect of it, but you actually have to roll your dice to make sure it equals your speed. And if you don't hit that, then it actually causes damage to your actual cart. Um, but the, the artwork was amazing. The gameplay was super smooth. I, in fact, I was very far behind most of the game and I ended up winning the game. Um, so, uh, the, it just keeps you going and keeps you involved in the game, regardless if you're far behind, you're able to catch back up, which was awesome to see. Cause most games, once you're behind, you're kind of stuck in that limbo where you're kind of playing catch up, but you don't have a really good chance to win, but. And this in this one, it was it was awesome. What yeah. I liked about this was I didn't get a chance to play it, and I shame on me for uh, you know <laughs> kind of divide and conquering on this one. Is anytime you see a game that is a party type game where it's incredibly loud and incredibly exciting, and people are literally hovering around a game, even people who aren't playing are, are hovering around to watch. 
that to me is a winner all day long. And, uh, and that was what this was. It was, you could hear from across the room, people shouting, laughing, having a great time. And then you started seeing people kind of hovering around watching. Uh-huh. And, uh, I know these guys must've just been tickled to, uh, to have that, that experience at the, uh, at the con. Absolutely. Yeah. Sean's done a great job with this game. I, I've, I've played this game many, many times over probably the last two or three years, a big, big gap in there with the pandemic, but uh, glad to see, you know, come back and, you know, it's, it's smooth. Like he's, he's really, really worked hard on this and really tweaked it. And you can just tell all the characters, all their special abilities, um, how, you know, he's gone back and forth between like cards and dice and that kind of thing, but it's got some really cool components with the, the dials that you turn that it, like you hold it and it feels like, like a dashboard or like a steering wheel in your hand. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's, there's so much like you can play it like super aggressive and ever, like we played it in the second round, everybody except for one person got their car blown up because one person <laughs> just did this attack that just like knocked everybody flying and uh, we all got wiped out, but then we all came back and then everybody's like being a little more cautious and everything, but it's, it's a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, I think this is going to do really well uh, when it eventually brings it to Kickstarter. Yeah. The, uh, the next one, I'm going to let Adam talk about this one. So what you're saying at the beginning, Joe, where you're saying, you know, some of the, the protests were literally hand-drawn. You can see in the picture here, they're literally stick people. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> right on, on the cards but talk about this game you love this one eh? uh, yeah so this one was a very simple deck builder kind of game um where it's, it's basically you're playing basketball so it's one versus one um there might be an element down the road where it could be in pairs basically um but in this one here you're basically playing a game of 21 uh trying to get 21 points um again the artwork it doesn't have to be incredible to draw people in the gameplay itself was phenomenal um i had a great time playing it um but yeah it's very simple playing you either shooting or you're passing um you're blocking if you're on the defense or you're you have to really play your cards out properly in order to stop the other person from scoring their points uh but and it's again back and forth the gameplay was super smooth uh but yeah do you just play this one joe uh, I didn't, but I, I watched a little bit of it. And uh, this is Hafiz Printer again, um, the same designer. He's a new designer and he's also the one that had Bad De- Baghdad 1055. And he was talking about this one. So it's it's interesting to see uh, him bring this to the table as well. Yeah, it was cool. I uh, Again, another one I wish I had a chance to uh, play, but uh, maybe we'll connect at a later date and uh, I'll get a chance to play it again. Um, these are the guys, I, I don't, I didn't get their names. I think one says Sean, I'm not sure. And Sean Graydon. and Graydon. Yeah. Sean, Sean and Graydon. So they had another game that, uh, I felt bad, uh, cause I really wanted to play that, uh, that tank, uh, domination game. And they were playing this game. I'm like, oh, I really wanted to play that, that domination game. So they started packing up this game that they were already playing. Um, but they're working on, they got an early prototype of a, uh, a B type game where you've got these connections of hives and um, I really didn't know much more about it than that, but it was kind of neat how they're building the board and how these different um, these different components represent the bees and the pollen and so forth. But again, another example of yet our prototype bag we got from the game crafter. They took those hexes that were already cut out, right? So they got as 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 uh, samples from the game crafter and then colored on those um, the different designs for uh, for the hive, which I thought was a cool use of uh, the materials they had. Neat. another one of the dominations same guys and then uh lastly the picture we have here is again what's the name of this one again with the math uh, this is math magicians duel 
Math Magician's Duel. I've never had a chance to actually play this game, um, but they did pull it out to play with some people. Um, I know it's, it's a published game. Uh, they, they have it on the market right now, uh, but it's a really cool game. What I really like about this one is it's designed to help teach kids math. And these are two teachers. They, they created this and they use it in their schools and they're, when they're teaching the kids. And uh, for me, anytime you can create uh, a game that is helping people learn uh, at the same time as they're having fun, I think is, uh, is a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool idea. Yeah, it's another one from BS Games. Very different than Sonoda, but uh, yeah. that's good. You can see their versatility in the games they design. Exactly. So, Joe, that was kind of my recap of, of, of Protospiel for this past week. Was there any other outliers that we missed uh, that you didn't see there? Uh, oh, well, I, I want to talk about one. Let me go back to one. Ah, I cut you Because I don't want you to have to bring up games? your own game. I call it the Spilly <laughs> Willy game. But uh, this is basically, you've got these martini glasses where you're dropping oh, yeah. olives into them. Uh, and uh, you and Sylvan had uh, been working on this concept. This is another game where people see it on a table and instantly come over and they want to play it, right? It's one of those type of a games. Concept is brilliantly simple. You've got these martini glasses that as you're dropping these glass olives, I guess, into them, they start to tip over. And the idea is to get as many of your olives in the glass as you can uh, but force the other players uh, all of us to spill out of the uh, the glasses. And there's different cards that are played as you go through, which determine which specific ones you're allowed to put uh, your stones in and, and which ones you can't. Some cards say, you know, you, you know, instead of putting your own stones in, you're putting another player's uh, olives into the glasses. But it was just a really cool concept. And I wanted to kind of highlight this one. I thought it was really, really awesome. How long have you guys been working on this one, Joe? <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe uh this is the first play test we did outside of like our homes like Come we, on. we did it together for we worked on it for like a day we just like like oh what about if we had this what about this what about this i worked on it for about a day and we each played it with our with our significant others and that was it like this is the first event that we've taken it to so we were uh -huh. very very happy that um you know, the people were really intrigued by it and people came by and were like, are you going to set that up again? I want to play that. So it was like, okay, I think we've got something here. It's, it's not finished by any means, but uh, just to see that interest in, in the game was awesome. It was a blast, especially with two brothers playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're always trying to, you know, get each other's first and it's more about making the other guy lose versus actually trying to win. So for sure, we had a lot of fun with this one. Eh? We did. I had a blast playing this one, especially <laughs> knocking all your alls all over the table. That was great. I think you actually won, didn't you? <laughs> I did. You actually took the win, yeah. And I guess Sylvan said this idea came from actually literally spilling a martini when he was, he was walking somewhere or... Yeah, I think like, like he, I was over at his place and we were designing some games. It was the end of the day. I was going to get going and he had some marble sitting there. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to do something with these. They're left over from my other game. I'm like, you know what? I had an idea like a year or so ago and it didn't really come to anything, but it was like about bowls, like tipping bowls of like one to the other and you have to place them and you want to have like the most of your own left, but you, you have to put them in certain bowls or something like that. And I was like, I don't know if there's something there. Do you want to work on something together? He's like, sure. And then he's, and then like, you know, within days I hear from him, he's like, I got something. So, and then he's like showing me these videos of these like martini glasses tipping and stuff. I'm like, Ooh, okay, this looks good. So I don't know. We're, we're probably going to wind up changing the theme, like, especially if you want it to be more family friendly, sure, you know, yeah. you know, drinking martinis could be about, you know, turtles or, you know, rhinos or whatever. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, we'll come up with something, but I think the, uh, the concept is there. So it was, it was really awesome to see it come together very quickly. Yeah, it was awesome. So the, the, was there any other games that you, uh, that caught your eye or is that, uh, is that, is that the list? 
Well, I mean, there, there are a lot of great ones. Um, yeah. Mark Gervitz uh, had, a, had a really cool cooperative uh, dice game uh, that we were playing. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, Reed Mescola, who, who did uh, Vigilante, he has another game. He actually took the components from the last Protospiel, 2019. There are all these little feet. And he's like, they were just sitting out there at the end of the table. And he's like, I'm going to take them and I'm going to make a game out of them. I'm like, cool. So he did that and he brought it to the next Protospiel, like two and a half years later. And it was this bidding auction kind of a game where you're trying to get things that were nice for your feet, like, you know, comfortable things for your feet and your bidding feet. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was some really neat auction mechanics in that when you pass, you put a token in front of you and anybody else that wants to stay in, they have to put a, a, a foot out, but they have to give it to one of the other people that's out. So if mm. you're out for a long time, you can start to gather them. But then if somebody else goes out, then they it start, it, like it goes to the person with the least amount of feet. So it just depends there's like so, such intricacies around exactly when you pass, when you don't, how many feet you're going to get and everything. I got totally shafted because uh, if you're the second last person out, you wind up getting nothing. So I think there's some mechanics we have to tweak there, but um, but it, it, it was fun. Yeah, I wish I had to play that one. He he couldn't make it on Sunday. And that was one of the ones I was hoping I was going to get a chance to play just because it looked so cool and so much fun. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, Joe, now that uh, Pro Spiel is done, uh, what's next on deck? Is there a way that people can get involved in board game design and so forth? Or like what's kind of coming up now? Yeah, actually, I, I'm just launching right now. As of about, you know, about an hour and a half ago, uh, tickets just start to go on sale for uh, the Board Game Design Virtual Summit 2021. So last year, I ran an event where I had a whole bunch of different industry experts, everything from game designers to publishers, rule book editors, uh, people who work in retail manufacturing, just kind of the, the whole spectrum of, of board games and board game design, um, all these different interviews, and then a Q&A panel at the end. So I wanted to run the event again this year. Um, so I've gathered, um, you know, 12 amazing guests. I have uh, some of the top names there are Rob Davio, who's, you mm. know, behind Pandemic Legacy, um, Shem Phillips, who's behind, you know, Architects of the West Kingdom and Five Counts of the West Kingdom and like, like these tr amazing trilogy games, all these games in like the top 200 on BGG. Um, Phil Walker Harding, who did Sushi Go and Baron Park and Imhotep and, you know, the new Tetris game. And, you know, Jeremy Howard from Man vs. Meeple and um, for Tessa Alice from Funko Games, like all, all these different amazing people. Um, and, you know, this pre-recorded interviews and then you're going to have some bonus interviews. So we're talking about different topics with, with each of them. And then we're going to have some Q&A panels at the end where, you know, people could come in and just ask whatever questions they have oh, of cool. all, all these people. And the other thing, people really wanted more interaction. They wanted, you know, like, is there going to be a Discord channel or something like that? Like they wanted more interaction with the other attendees. So there's going to be a Discord channel running the whole week um, as well, where people can connect, uh, talk. I'm going to have different channels where people can talk about like Kickstarter or development or, you know, a game design jam or just playtesting or whatever you want to do. We just connect with other people. So it's mm -hmm. going to be an opportunity to, to network and meet, meet with other people as well. Oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, I'll get a link off if you don't mind uh, after, sure, after yeah. we're off air, maybe send it to me. I'll make sure I include that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to find it, they don't have to search for it. They can literally just go in the show notes, whether on the audio podcast or through uh, the video YouTube channel. Um, we'll put that link in there for people to follow. Uh, Joe, it's always awesome having you on the show as a regular guest. I appreciate you coming back, man. Thanks for uh, helping put together uh, Project Spiel North. That was That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Definitely coming back next year. And uh, I know I'm committed to do uh, at least two days uh, probably next year. So look <laughs> forward to it, awesome. Well, James, always a pleasure. And Adam, great having you on the podcast as well. Or the oh, show. Thank you. Awesome. Yes, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, and Joe, it was a nice seeing you again. All right, guys. Awesome. You take care. Yeah. Cheers. Take care.
Factor. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. We'll